Good morning, lovely constituents of GCU Basketball and Win the Whack podcast. It is Wednesday, February 8th, game day. The Lopes square off against the New Mexico State Aggies for the 24th time. GCU looks to beat New Mexico State for the first time since March 13th, 2021, and for the first time in front of a home crowd since February 11th, 2017. With the Aggies departing for Conference USA following this season, this will be the last chance the Lopes will be able to do so as conference foes. Rivalry or not, this one will be glorious for whoever wins and will sting for whoever loses. Following the home game this evening, the Antelopes will travel to the Pacific Northwest to face the plummeting Redbirds of Seattle U on Saturday. Can they pull off a feat they have been unable to do yet this conference slate? win two games in one week we are looking forward to previewing the week ahead and are thankful that you're tuning in as a new episode of win the whack 2.0 starts now So our women's varsity basketball team at Helena Christian School might have just broken a school record tonight. I'll give you one guess at what the stat was. Oh, so it's like a... What what record was broken? Is it a team stat or an individual stat? The team stat. And I'll give you another hint. hint. It's a a bad thing. (laughs) Okay. Is it a single game stat or a season stat? Single game. So the team single game stat, is it most, is it largest margin of defeat? No, we won the game, which is incredible. And it's a bad stat. And Uh it's a bad stat. We won by 20, actually. We had 30 turnovers. Yeah, that's really bad. It was really bad, dude. That's not good. Our last game, we had 12 and we had 10 midway through the first, first quarter, I think. And I told them, guys. This is ridiculous. Protect the basketball. And I'll tell you what, Zach, they didn't. (laughs) Thankfully, the team we were playing was not that great. So we uh, we were just fine. But 30 turnovers is atrocious. That's really bad. It's like the Lopes against SFA. (laughs) It's like the Lopes against Sam Houston State with 28 turnovers. That's unbelievable at the Division One level. Come on, Lopes. That's crazy. You uh you started tennis today, didn't you? Yeah, it was our first day of tryouts. Um, How'd that go? It went well. I I, f- I I'm in a tough situation. I I feel bad. I always feel bad when this is the case. But we just we have a girls team that's just going to be really good. We're probably going to be a top ten girls team. And what happened is we had no seniors on our team last year, and we were pretty good last year. But what I now have is a bunch of freshmen who are really good. So I have a bunch of sophomores who made varsity last year as freshmen who are not going to make varsity this year as sophomores. So that's always tough to make varsity and then not make it the next year. Like hardly ever happens. Sure. Especially for players who have like, you know, worked really hard in the offseason, gotten better and now aren't going to make a varsity spot. But it's tough. It's tough. I have I have 22 girls and I can only play six. Um, oh, geez. 
So like, yeah, it's competitive, but we have a, we have a good team. Our, our program low key is becoming really crazy. Like this is only year four and between middle school and high school, boys and girls, we have 80 kids. Yo. So like, yeah. So I guess looking you, good. Dude. Yeah. Griffin tennis is, is looking up, but our, yeah. So our girls team, I expect to do some damage and then the boys, I don't know. We'll see how the boys are. We lost a lot of seniors last year. I think gotcha. they'll be, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be like a little bit above 500, but. Yeah. Helena Christian lost eight senior boys last year. So yeah, it was yeah. tough. Hey, are you one uh, a playoffs start on Wednesday. Are you going to check I in know. on your boys Cicero? I don't know if they're going to stream it. If they are, then I might tune in, but I mean, stream that might interfere with the, with the GCU game. So uh, again, man, am I going to, for the second week in a row, am I going to miss a Lopes game for a high school basketball game? Are you going to one? I might go to the Cicero game, dude. You might. Hey, you should just, I think it'd be fun. They're playing at home. They're the, they're the eight, the eight, nine against yeah. basis Flagstaff. Yeah. Um, that could be good. I don't know. I, I don't like, I haven't really watched any one a ball. I mean, I pretty much only watched GP, but I was really, I don't know. We, you, uh, you follow the AZ small ball podcast a little bit, not a lot. Okay. They, I, I yeah, same. I listen occasionally, but I saw them tweet today that, they're basically their picks and they picked a pretty chalk bracket for the first round with the mm-hmm. exception of they actually picked 16 seated Williams to upset NBC. I saw that. I saw that. So, and I was like, so I are thought, you for real? Because my thoughts here, with, with, I mean, like, I don't really care about the one. I'll, I'll cheer for Cicero. Cause I know that's like your team. Um, yeah. I think like there's obviously like their, their favorite. There's a good chance they'll beat basis, but I do kind of think NVCA is a buzzsaw and I really don't, see that but if nvca loses to williams the whole tournament is wide open exactly so well so they played they played nvca at the beginning of the season and they lost by six okay yeah and it was was so that's a really close margin but i uh i was talking to their coach and athletic director a good friend of mine rafiq henderson he he asked me what do you think our chances are and I said, well, here's the thing. If you can maintain the eight seed, I think that's the best case scenario because if you win that first game in the eight seed spot, your next game is likely to be North Valley Christian. And the reason that that's a good thing is because that is the least travel you would have to do. Yeah. Uh, where is NBCA? It's is it it's North, between. North yeah, it's between like Happy Valley and Anthem. So. Oh, okay. And yeah. Cicero isn't too far east, right? It's like not as far east as Scottsdale. Oh, no, no, no. Cicero is literally right next to Salt River Fields. Oh, really? Oh, so it's as far east as far. you can get in Scottsdale. It, oh. It's basically like six miles south of Scottsdale prep. So, but regardless, gotcha. that is the, that's the least amount of travel you have to do. And they already played them this yeah. year. So you have a good scouting report on them. And then also, you know that you can compete with them. But if you win... The next games are neutral site at Tim's Ford Center or whatever the place is up in Prescott. Oh yeah, the uh, it's not Tim's Toyota Center anymore, but that's what it used to be for. Gotcha. For yeah, but I, yeah. I don't know so what, so yeah. once you get into the state semifinal, which you you have to win that game against NVCA, but once you yeah. do that, you got neutral site games in Prescott, and anything yeah. can happen there. So I was like, hey, yeah. if if you can if you can stick with the eight seed and then pull off the Ooh. upset against NVCA, things could get really interesting for and that's for next weekend. Yeah. You trying to take a road trip down to Prescott? I'm sorry. I have state tournament. I, I I totally would, but I have state tournament as well. And our girls are really solid. So despite the 1A, fact that we're throwing the ball away 30 times. Yeah. So the one, a <laughs> finishes way earlier. The two, a doesn't uh, playoffs don't even start until 
the seventeenth. Yeah, mm-hmm. the first the first playoff game. So well, know. because two A does conference play in games too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. So yeah, are you ready for some questionable scenarios? Yeah, I am. I am very ready. Okay, pick one. GCU beats New Mexico State by thirty five, but. You have to ride the Aggies team bus back to Las Cruces with them while wearing Lopes apparel. And don't worry, I'll pick you up and drive you back to Phoenix. Or you get to travel with the team to Seattle, all expenses paid, and you get to enjoy the city all Saturday before the game. But the Lopes lose by 35. Pick your poison. Can they kill me? <laughs> Can the New Mexico State players? They, they might. They, they might. Yeah, okay. So, so. Connor, my option, my options are GCU loses to Seattle or I die. <laughs> right, like I'm gonna die. <laughs> Look, man, I would absolutely love to see the Lopes beat New Mexico State in the last conference game in GCU Arena. In GCU Arena, and I, I can't, I cannot have. With all of the trash we've talked this season, I simply cannot have a Lopes blowout at Seattle U. So I'm going to rock with the first one. (laughs) Gosh, it's going to be the worst day of my life. Like, it's going to be so uncomfortable. And that drive to Las Cruces is horrible. It's a long drive. There and back. Oh, my God. You're basically going to Texas. Yeah. It's literally a a mile from Texas. So that is a terrible drive. Um, Gosh. Not interested, <laughs> but I guess I'll take that. Okay, we can't. I can't let us lose to Seattle, man. Yep, I, I feel you, and you can't let us lose to New Mexico State either. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what Ooh. time it is? Well, is it trivia time? It's trivia time. Cool. <laughs> you never react <laughs> very, uh, very enthused when I. I think it's funny when I when I <laughs> when you just are like, wow, okay. I'm just like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. Tonight, Grand Canyon and New Mexico State are meeting for the 24th time. When was GCU's first win over the Aggies? And how many times have the Lopes won the matchup? So this question is kind of twofold. So um, I know that GCU has won the matchup five times. Okay, so you got one or two. Because I, I, I remember, like, I obviously, uh, I have this question also about this GCU Mexico State matchup. So I, I know that we're five and 17 there. Um, Yikes. First win. Okay. Have we, did we play them at all before becoming a whack team? One time. So I know we won our freshman year. Okay. And then, like, and then, like, didn't win again for a very long time. Yeah. I want to say we split with them my our senior year of high school, so that's 15, 16. Okay. But I... Sorry, it's the first time we beat them? The first time we beat them. Man, is that our second year in D1? 15, 16? Is that your final answer? Yeah, I'm going to go with... I'm, I don't know which home or away. I, I assume it's probably home. I'm going to go with the 15, 16 game. Yeah, so we beat them on January 9th, 2016 in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, nice. Yep. And the first time we played them, the only time we played them outside of Western Athletic Conference competition was, I can't remember whether it's 1984 or 1989, or oh, wow. 1985. Yeah. So that was a long time ago. GCU lost that game, obviously, so. Man. 
Nice job, Zach. You just moved Thank to you. five and three. Yeah, we don't have a we have a the the win that year and then the win the next year when we were freshmen. And then obviously the three wins during the COVID year, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the time has been a bloodbath. My question for you also has to do with the GCU New Mexico State matchup, which is why I, I kind of had a recollection of this because I was looking at this earlier. So the last time that Grand Canyon defeated New Mexico State was the game that propelled us to the NCAA tournament. It was in WAC Vegas in March of 2021. And we kind of beat the brakes off of them. We beat them by 18. In that game, do you know who our leading scorer was? Can I pull up the roster? Sure. Okay. Yeah. 2021. I remember actually watching that game and vividly thinking that the whole game that New Mexico State could make yeah. a comeback. I was yeah. not. Yes. I was no. so mad the Same. whole time at the way GC Same. was playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so stupid. I was listening to it on the radio. I was you were listening on the radio? Central and Camelback. I was listening to it on the radio with two of my friends who were not Lopes fans. And I remember we got to Shake Shack. And I was like, guys, I am going to sit in this car and listen to the rest of this game until the Lopes clinch this title or pull an all-time troll. Because there was a couple minutes left. It was to the point where I was like, this game surely is over. Like It would be an all-time loss. It, it was like a couple minutes left. And they pulled it off, and I went nuts in the Shake Shack parking lot. I remember exactly. It's one of those moments the I will never forget. Because I was hanging out with friends. I had made plans to hang out with friends. And then, um, I, I should be honest, I didn't, I didn't really want to watch the game. I kind of had a feeling like, we're just going to lose. We beat them twice. and gotcha. you, know, you know what they say? You don't want to, you don't, uh, it's hard to beat a team three times. Yeah. So I just thought we were going to lose, to be honest. <laughs> oh, man. So pop scorer in that game. Well, I know it wasn't Ethan Spry. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, Not no Ethan props Spry. to that kid. He's a Scottsdale Christian kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, team. Zach, I, I, I'm. For me, it's either it's between three guys for me. Okay. Okay. The, the three guys that I've narrowed it down to are Asbjorn Metgard, Alessandro Laver, and Javon Blackshire. Is it right. one of those three? It is. Okay. I'm going to go with Laver. It is Blackshear. Shoot. Blackshear at 19. Laver actually had a pretty quiet. He only had seven points that game. Dang it, dude. Um, oh, but Blackshear at, Blackshear at 19. He had a good one. Asbjorn at, uh, had 12 and eight rebounds. Our third highest scorer was Mikey Dixon. I I saw Mikey Mikey Dixon on the uh, yeah, on the roster, and game. I was like, hmm, maybe he it was Mikey. It wasn't, but he did have a good game. Gotcha. He, he was five for six in the free throw line. He had a pretty good game. But yeah, John Blackshear, leading scorer the last time we beat the Aggies and sent us through to Whack Vegas. He is one of only three players on that team that are still on the team. It's him, McMillan, McMillan and Gabe McLaughlin. By yep. the way, uh, today or I guess. Well, it'll be a while. I don't know. Today uh, is Chance McMillan's birthday. Yes, it is. Yeah, so happy birthday happy to the birthday. dog. I know. I guess if, if not that he listens, um, but Chance, if you're hearing this, and I know it's two days late, happy birthday to the man. You got that dog in you. Yeah. So McMillan and McLaughlin and Blackshear were the, the three on that team that are still there. This is an awesome um, roster, dude. An awesome oh, yeah. roster. Dude, this team was so, it was like, it was Sean Miller Moore, dude. Perfect. It Mikey was the Dixon. It was the end of the era that we knew, like that we knew and loved when we first went into college and yeah. the beginning of 
like modern Bryce Drew Lopes. Exactly. Perfect. It was a perfect roster. Oscar Freire. Oh man. Retire four. A legend. Yeah, I agree. Alessandro yeah. Laver, dude. What a what a stacked roster. And then Blackshear, McMillan, and McLaughlin. Yep. And then yep. Midgard, the the uh grad transfer is a monster. Like it was so good. Absolute stud. Yeah. Basically Thor out there. What a team. <laughs> All right. Are you ready to preview the week ahead? Yeah. All right. So on Wednesday, we have New Mexico State University. This is hate week. New Mexico State's overall record is 9-14, and 14, LOL. Okay. Their most notable non-conference win is a 73-60 to 60 win at number 112, Ken Palm Duquesne, which is actually a really solid win. Yeah, it's a true road game. They won't exactly, exactly. Their conference record is two and nine. LOL. Their conference wins are at home against Stephen F. Austin and at home against Seattle U, which are their two most recent games. They are one and eight on the road. That only win being at Duquesne. They score seventy four points per game, from forty four point four percent from the field, thirty four point seven from three. They get 35.3 rebounds per game and 26.8 of which are offensive rebounds. Their best Ken Palm component, they are 27th in the nation in steals. Their worst component, they are 321st in the nation in defending the three. Sick. A key player, Deshondre Washington, is a six foot seven. 205 pound junior. He's averaging 11.9 points per game on. 40.9% from the field and 34% from three. He's also averaging 6.8 rebounds per game and 3.8 assists per game. I'm going to turn it to yeah. you, my friend. Yeah, this team's really good. Um, Like you said, Deshaundre Washington's really good. Also, Xavier Pinson. This roster's really good. really good. For Xavier Pinson, he has a grad transfer. He's had a really solid NCAA career. He spent three years at Mizzou. He was averaging double digits for two of those seasons. And then last season he was at LSU and he averaged 9.8 a game. And now he's averaging 13 a game with New Mexico state. According to Ken Palm, he is their most major contributor. And he's, I mean, he's just awesome. He's been really good playing high level basketball uh, in the sec. And and then of course here, um, Deshaundre Washington, like you said, also a very major contributor. They got dudes. I think there was, there was, uh, and for obvious reason, right. They come into conference play. They lose nine in a row. And all of the the questions fall on Greg Hire, um, new coach, uh, talented team, and a absolutely like worst case scenario start to conference play. Um, since that zero and nine start, they have won back to back games against pretty quality opponents: Stephen F. Austin, Seattle U. Not to mention the the really good showing at Utah Valley the game before losing by five on the road. But now now coming off two wins in a row, I guess the question that I, I have to ask you as they go to the road for the first time since finally winning a conference game. Is New Mexico State back? Well, according to you, they are. So I think if they beat GCU in the traditional New Mexico State way, which is to beat them by a significant margin at GCU Arena, then I think I'm ready to say, okay, New Mexico State could make some noise when it comes to Vegas. If GCU is able to win this game, I don't know that I'm sold on New Mexico State yet. I think that the ceiling was never there this year for New Mexico State. What Even do you like, mean? 
uh, before the the Mike Peak thing, right? Before the 0 and 9 conference start, because this has been like a really horrific season for this program. Yep. Like all time worst conference start. The whole incident with New Mexico and Mike Peak in the in the preseason. I mean, this is and, and ultimately even before all that, right? They came out and they lost to UTEP, which like to them is like a cardinal sin. They got blown out by Irvine on a neutral court. I think that from the beginning, it was never like this was not like a New Mexico State team that was going to dominate the WAC and be a 12 seed. Early on, it was like Sam Houston State is absolutely running it down on power conference teams. And then like the second, like in the non-conference, right? The narratives were Sam Houston is, is a men is a man among boys. And then the second best team could be any of New Mexico State, GCU, Utah Valley, or Seattle. Although I, we, I never included Seattle because they're garbage, but we'll get to that in a little bit. B- but then what happened is they just absolutely forgot how to win games. But even, I guess, even before the like horrific stretch, they don't have that impressive of a non-conference. Like you said, no, they their didn't. best win, which incidentally was the last time they won a game on the road, was at Duquesne, which is a team that's currently ranked higher than GCU, right? I mean, certainly it could happen. I don't know what to make of New Mexico State because I think we've seen their ceiling, which is playing a really playing a pretty competitive game at St. Mary's, who's one of the top teams in the country, battling with Santa Clara, battling with Kent State, who's really good, beating Duquesne on the road, right? Uh, we've seen this team look good, and then we've also seen them lose nine games in a row in conference. And so I guess I don't actually know what New Mexico State team we're going to get. And I think that's what makes it hard to predict. This team is so unpredictable. I think honestly what it's going to come down to is whether or not they truly think the GCU is a rival of theirs. I think if they come out and win, I think it's pretty obvious that they they care about this game. This is so good. I love you're creating the narrative that is my favorite, which is even if we lose, we've won, right? Because even if we lose, they're just proving that it's a rivalry. Oh, it's beautiful. What a, what a <laughs> remarkable narrative. Well, it's it's such an easy narrative to put up. It is. And I, I do know, but I think you're right, right? Um, New Mexico State should treat this as a big game. And and looking at their schedule, have you looked at their schedule the rest of the way? No. Uh, it's Seriously, it's not very hard for them to finish out undefeated. They play us. Oh my gosh. Dude, no, their schedule is terrible. They play us, and then they play Cal Baptist on the road, which like I guess is tough. Then they play Abilene Christian at home. Then they play UTRGV at home. Then they play us again at home. And then they play Abilene Christian again on the road. And then they play Tarleton on the road. No, Tarleton doesn't lose on the road unless it's UTRGV. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> if UTRGV can do it. But yeah, I don't know. Like, so I can see this team rattling off seven in a row and coming into conference play as like the seven seed and absolutely taking names. But I don't know, man. Um, I don't know what to say. I I just look. I just need us to win this game, please. It w- it's really gonna hurt if we lose this game. It is, and it's a big line. GCU seven point favorites in this game, and I know I traditionally for years I have made so much money fading the lopes in the New Mexico State game because every year GCU has like for some reason been like favored or relatively close right or like we'll be like one and a half point dogs and I'm like we're gonna lose this game like 30 right so I, this every <laughs> year has, has been like that or like GCU's at home and they're looking really good and they're ranked higher in Ken Palm they're one and a half point favorites like New Mexico State money line and I think this is the same thing, right? New Mexico State seven point dogs. I'm just gonna straight. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna take them outright at like plus two hundred. 
to win the game. Not because I think they will, but just because like that, those odds are crazy. Like yeah. they're gonna have crazy odds. They're seven point dogs right now, according to Ken Palm. I just really want GCU to win. This is a quad B game for New Mexico State. New Mexico State is one in seven in quad B games this season. The one win, though, like we said, was the win at Duquesne. Duquesne. And then obviously they have the quad A loss at St. Mary's, but then also quad B losses to UC Irvine, where they got blown out, Santa Clara, Kent State, and then four in that conference play of doom. So, so yeah, I don't know. Things are not looking good. This is not trending the way I would have hoped. Uh, I don't, uh, New Mexico State winning the last two games in a row makes me feel a little uneasy. They've built some confidence and they built some confidence against good teams. But those games are both at home and they haven't really shown much success on the road. They've, I mean, obviously, uh, they've lost their last six road games. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think the key for us, like we said, the key for us is going to be to hold on to the ball. This is a team that's really, that gets a lot of steals. So we have to make good decisions, make good decisions with the ball. This is, uh, incidentally, this is New Mexico State team does, is not a great defense. Their their uh, defensive effective field goal percentage is in the 300s, mm-hmm. um, which bodes well for us. So I don't think it will be the case that, you know, cross my fingers, knock on wood. I don't think it will be the case that like, well, it'll be one of those games where we just have a miserable time on offense and we can't get a shot up. I think it is just going to come down to turnovers. And if we can, you know, control ourselves there. Yeah. I'm, I don't know that I'm particularly excited for this game. There's just, it's ridiculous. I know. I understand. We're such bummers, man. We really are because I am so, I just don't want to lose. I really don't want to lose. And I know that that's playing right into what New Mexico state wants us to be saying, or maybe they would prefer us to be really cocky and be like, Oh yeah, we're going to go beat the tar out of them and then lose the game regardless this this one's gonna really hurt if we lose but i think if we win this game there might be singing in the streets you know gcu students are gonna be storming the court with chick-fil-a in hand you know it's gonna be well actually here's a question do you think they actually storm the court i think they should you think they should yes dude it's the ultimate the ultimate disrespect not to storm the court this is the last chance you will probably ever get to storm the court against New Mexico State. Uh, GCU, I, I can't. I don't have any recollection of GCU students ever storming the court. Me neither. Which GCU security question, is on top of it. Which begs the question, Connor: Would this be the biggest win in GCU history? <laughs> Shut up, dude! <laughs> oh, it's not even the biggest win this year. We won no. at Sam Houston. No, um, dude. <laughs> What? But no, that was a joke. But uh, no, you're right. GCU. I I don't know that GCU will ever be a court storm in school. Um, I don't think it's in the in the cards. I'd love to see us just like wax this team. But I also think like I don't know what we're gonna get. I hey, I'll be I'll keep it real with you. This is the biggest trap game ever for Grand Canyon. Which you think this this is a trap game? Yeah, this is such a trap game, dude. Who cares about Seattle? We want to win this New Mexico State game. I don't know. I could foresee there being the thought of, especially given Seattle is ranked just above us on the Wimmers. It's so close. If we beat Seattle, we'll jump them and go to the four seed. New Mexico State's not very good this year. And then New Mexico State just jumps us. I can totally see that. 
I think us as fans who have watched the Lopes get owned by New Mexico State for the last eight years makes this really personal of like, this is the biggest game, right? But I, I don't know that that's the same opinion of the players and a Bryce Drew. Bryce Drew, who relatively speaking, has actually experienced a pretty good amount of success against New Mexico State, right? Three and two overall. Yeah. So, or sorry, so three know. and three, three and three, three and three. Yep. Uh, three, you know, two years ago. It's kind of sad that that's relative success. I mean, no, I mean, like, well, I guess the point is like, he's 500 against them. So it's not, it's not like, oh, this team is like our worst night. It's like, no, he's 500 against them. It's just another yeah. game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and these guys on the team weren't around for like, they were around for some, most of them this year or some of them like the tournament year, like last year. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think that we as fans have this like view that like New Mexico state is like the playground bully and we have to win this game. Like this is our chance. I don't know that the players and Bryce Drew see it that way. And Seattle, I think for ranking wise, the Seattle game is more important. But I, I will tell you right now, we have to play our best game on Wednesday. Or we will lose. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing: it's kind of weird because Javon Blackshire is the only guy on roster who has experienced the absolute bullying from New Mexico State. Granted, he was there when when we won three games against them in 2020-21, but. He's the only one that experienced us losing to them when when you and I were seniors in college. Yeah, man. So that was tough. It's he he's the only one. Maybe Gabe McLaughlin, but I don't think he's been there that long. I think his first year here was Bryce Drew's first year, if I'm correct. Uh McLaughlin and McMillan were both here in 2021. Which I think was the year before we went to the tournament, or no? The, no, that, that was, was the year, year we, we, went we went. So yeah, so McLaughlin and Chance were there the year we went to the tournament. Blackshear's the only one here before that. But so yeah, like the, our, our McLaughlin and McMillan watched us beat them three times to go dancing, and then watched us lose to him three times last year. Yeah. So, but it's like they're five hundred against him. Bryce Drew's five hundred against him. So I think uh, as the alumni. I think there's a great a greater level of weight that we are putting on this game than the players. What I'm suggesting is we have to take this game very seriously. Yeah. And they you know the whole good, the man. whole coach thing about how like, oh, we take every game seriously, you know, no, it's just another game. This, this is, is this not is just another on game. The calendar. Yes. This game, but I guess that's what I'm saying is like I think we have this game circled on the calendar. From an insider perspective, it wouldn't make sense to have the team that's 12th out of 13th and 2 and 9 in conference play circled on the calendar when you're all-time 500 against them. See what I mean? Yeah, I don't 100%. Know. So so that's that's where I'm coming from. I hope, I guess, I hope that Bryce Drew and staff and players take this game as seriously as we want them to. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I can see this being an Alcorn State game. You think like we're absolutely just yucky from the three, as you would say. Yeah, I think we'll be but like but like 30 early. Yeah, I'm talking about like the it. runs where like I could see us like being up by 30 at one point and also losing. I can see it being kind of that. Dude, I'm just gonna say this right now. If GCU is up 30 against New Mexico State and loses, yeah. we are not recapping the game. I'm sorry. We will go straight to the Seattle U game. It'll regardless. be a 15 second recap. It's like we suck. So 
Uh, on Saturday, we played Seattle. No, we're just going <laughs> to pretend that it didn't happen. Dude, that's. <laughs> I don't know that I could bear talking about I, it. I. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I'll be at. I'll be in the Cicero Prep gym, Dude. throwing my phone. If we if we win this game, how long do we talk about it on next week's podcast? Yeah, forever. We won't even get to the Seattle game. Uh, no. So so we if can, we lose if we lose we don't talk about the game. If we win we don't talk about Seattle. Yeah, that's right. Okay, fair. No, I mean if we yeah, no, I think I think you're right. All right, bet. Let's go. Well, yeah, I think that's fine. Regardless of what happens in Seattle. Like for example, like if we win both, I still think like we'll be talking about this game. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe we should do a special. I think so. You think we no, should no, do a right. special if Wins, we win? Uh, if yeah, if we win, we we gotta get on like super late Wednesday night at like immediate post game special. All right, all right. If we win, hey, do you remember we were absolute mad lads back in the day when we used to do this podcast in the like eighteen nineteen season or whatever? We would straight up go to the GCU game for two hours, watch it live, scream with the havocs, get Chick Fil A, and immediately come home record the podcast and have it up within like three hours of the game ending like i remember we did that one time and like it was just like the everyone was like how have you guys like how do you have a podcast up and we used that used to be the regular like you would straight up record the night of the game there was one time when we legitimately like we didn't you said we'd go to chick-fil-a we didn't go to chick-fil-a this time we went straight back to big papa go we started recording without even realizing that ESPN hadn't posted the stats yet. <laughs> so we didn't have stats to go over for yeah. the podcast. Dude, that that's so funny, man. <laughs> we, hey, yeah. you know what we should do? You know what would be really funny? And I don't know when we would do this. I think what we should start doing, it just it'd be so funny. The night, like when we play teams, go find old podcast clips of us talking about that team. So like, so like next time we play Seattle U, you're like, what did we think of Seattle U in 2018? And then it's just like, it's just, <laughs> I just think it'd be so funny. You want to know oh, what's really sad about that, Zach? What? Is we legitimately did not record a single podcast regarding conference opponents because we stopped at Christmas break. We, oh. Did you, do you not recall this? No. Did I we went, do it for two years or just the one year? No, we just did it the one year and we didn't even finish the season because I went oh. home for Christmas break and Zoom wasn't like a thing back then. Yeah, so COVID. we just kind of gave up on it. And then yeah, I started we coaching the... basketball. So I just we didn't right. have time to do it. But yeah, yeah. For, it was the entire club, non-club club tennis season started. Yeah. Club season started at GCU and you were coaching. So we just didn't even do conference games. Dude, that sucks, man. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. It's a bummer, but That's yeah, no, so that would funny. be super funny if we had clips on teams that we played. Yeah. Do you remember who the point guard was that season for our team? Yeah. Was it Trey Dreschel? No. Oh. I mean, he was on roster, but he wasn't the main he wasn't the guy. Was it was that Casey Benson? He was he was on the team, but he was not the main guy. It wasn't Dreschel or uh or Benson. I'll give you the initials. Really? Oh. DM. Damari Milstead? Yes. <laughs> I love Damari Milstead, man. Is he still like Why? playing college basketball? I mean, no, he, he probably he probably Didn't he, like transfer five year. times. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He definitely did. <laughs> I I remember one of my best hitting tweets of all time. Yeah. So like for those of you that don't know, I like big time was like 
the, the largest i was the biggest dan marley hater in the lopes fandom like long before people like i was hating on dan marley long before public interest kind of went against him because for a while there havoc's really liked dan marley and i was like this guy's not a good coach and then towards the end like everyone kind of came around of like hey this guy sucks but like for there's a while there when i was the only voice in the lope c saying like dan marley's terrible but i remember <laughs> one of my tweets that got like the most interaction was something like dan marley it was like he the, right he transferred and then we had like a really bad guard play that following season and yep. i tweeted something like dan marley about to hit damari milson with a u up test <laughs> and the tweet the tweet like did numbers it was so funny i still remember that oh gosh that's too funny yeah no damari i remember those days very not fondly i would fun. say not i mean fondly? it was a fun it was a fun team but i mean we didn't really perform i remember tim and michael finke yeah it was and, and i remember that whack tournament wow whack tournament vividly because we played umkc in the first round oh, yeah we and i lost. tried and i tried watching it at gcbc but their feed was all glitched out and so i pulled it up on my phone and it was slower but it was still clearer on the screen and GCU barely, and I mean barely, beat Mocan City, who they should have yeah. just beat the tar oh, yeah. out of. But the next game was against Utah Valley, who we split with that year. And I was like, there was, there's no chance that we're going to beat them on a neutral court. They kicked our butts in Orem. They, yeah. We only beat them by one at GCU. And then we went and we won by like five or something like that. And I was like, no way. We're going to the ship. And then I actually went to the game against New Mexico State, and they beat the brakes off of us, and I was so ticked. Yeah. But I remember that UMKC game. I was actually at tennis practice on campus, so I was I was at practice for the team on campus, mm-hmm. and I didn't watch the game because I kind of just figured, like, well, UMKC is terrible, so, like, I'll just go to tennis practice and come home and see that we've won by 20, right? And at some point during practice, someone, like, it was like a water break. Someone checked their phone, and they're like, the Wolves are going to lose the UMKC, and I, like, we seriously stopped practice and everyone gathered around <laughs> this dude's iPhone and like watched the last couple minutes of the game and then like resumed. It was so crazy. We all like were just in shock of like we're about like we're about to lose to UMKC right now. Do you remember yeah, who we the all were, just, like, we're gonna win? Do you remember who the big non-conference opponent was that year? The big non-conference opponent. Oh, uh, let me think. It was our season opener, if I am correct. Oh, season opener. Mike Dom. Oh, I oh my gosh. I do remember this game. It was South Dakota State. Mike yeah. Dom is a monster. That was that was election night because I was oh, with was Austin and the boys in the office getting ready for the, the election night party. Yeah. I was playing election flag night, football. I was really? playing flag football. And so I was oh and my my guy Caleb, he was ref in the game, and he was on the sideline at halftime watching the game on his phone. And so, you know, typically you're hanging out with your team during halftime, getting refreshed and all that stuff. And I was like, uh, no, forget that. I need to go check up on the Lopes. And it was a close game, but Lopes ended up yeah. losing. So. Dude, Mike Dom is so good. I think he's playing in the in that Big Three tournament. I think he's playing Big Three. Is he really? I think. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I really like Mike Dom. He was awesome. Yeah. He was. You had a lot exactly. to say about him in that episode, I recall. I I was really high on Mike Dom. I remember. I remember 
saying like this guy's gonna get drafted <laughs> i might have been a little too high on my dom <laughs> something about like the i mean the, we like, thought tim scrappy... Finky was gonna get drafted <laughs> yeah but it's like the same dude right like scrappy right. white dude who's just like like a 40 percent three-point shooter who's like yeah. just like more athletic than your average kyle corver build and so i was like <laughs> this guy's crazy any no i'm serious any like kyle corver player who's actually athletic i like go nuts for i think they're yeah. gonna be awesome and then they never are they're always just kyle quarter <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know all right so if gcu beats new mexico state you can expect a special episode from us yeah the night of i don't know yeah. if it'll come out the night uh, of. It might come out the morning after it'll, but anyway it'll come out thursday yeah but yeah <clears throat> anyways let's preview seattle U then yeah um, their overall record is 16 and 8 their notable non-conference win is a 69 to 62 victory over Ken Palm 143 Cal State Fullerton. So super impressive non-conference from from the Redbirds of Seattle U. Their conference yeah. record is 7 and 4. Those four losses are their last four games, so they're on a four-game skid. Their conference wins are over versus Cal Baptist at UTRGV at UT Arlington versus New Mexico State at 84 Utah Valley and versus Tarleton and versus 114 Southern Utah. So their their conference slate has been significantly more impressive and more of a resume than their non-conference, yet they still find themselves on a four-game skid. And still, I'll say the Utah Valley win was really big. They're yeah. they're skidding. Like we said, they're doing they're the opposite of New Mexico State, which is they started out really hot and they're losing steam. New Mexico State started out really badly and they're gaining steam. I would rather play, regardless of how good these teams are, Seattle's skidding and New Mexico State's heating up. And yeah. it's it's always easier to play a team that's on a skid just because I don't know. The the idea is they'll beat themselves, especially on the road. Seattle's last home game, they got absolutely blown out by Abilene Christian by 15 points, which was kind of really surprising. That's their um, only home loss, by the way. Yeah, and it was bad. It was, they lost by 15, and then obviously they've lost their last four games. Um, it, It's kind of what we said what happened last year, except even worse, which is they started out conference play really hot. Everyone thought they were the perennial, and then they kind of went on a massive skid and then lost out in the first round of whack Vegas. I know we said this in the last episode. I can see the, I can see the writing on the wall. They do play Utah tech on Wednesday. So maybe if they win that game, it might give them a, a, a boost to, I don't know, to have some more confidence for the Lopes game. So I don't know. I, I guess like that might be something just to keep an eye on. If they lose that game, then I think I'm even more confident about the Lopes because like, the the skid isn't I don't know full, is full blown, yeah. But yeah, Seattle U does have some good players, some really good shooters. Riley Grigsby is just a monster. I know he's not, according to Ken Palm, he's he's only their third most significant contributor, but he's just crazy. He's actually only shooting twenty nine percent from three, which was really surprising to me the first time I saw it because I do I feel like every time he shoots the three, I think it's going to go in. Grigsby's really good. Obviously, Cameron Tyson, Cameron Tyson is really good. Yeah, yep. Tyson's good. He's probably their best guy. He's fourth in player. According to Ken Palm stats, he's fourth in player of the year. But they got dudes. They have really good shooters. And uh, they're a team that I, I think from, and I've seen them probably play outside of GCU. I've probably seen this team play the most <laughs> out of any WAC team. 
I guess, except for Sam Houston, because I watched every non-conference game they played. But this is a team that surprises me with their ability to rebound. They're not a very big team, but I think they like their guards crash the glass a lot. And so because of that, they get a lot of boards. So like they're they're in the top, they're 135 in offensive rebound percentage. However, they also give up a massive amount of offensive rebounds. Well, because like we said, right, they don't have the size, but because they're just kind of aggressive and athletic, they get a lot of offensive rebounds. So I, I don't know. I don't know how that'll fare for us. This could be a game where we see like Y.O. and McLaughlin just go nuts on the offensive boards, which I think would be really important for us. But what it's going to come down to for me is we got to just run this team off the line. We can't let this team just shoot open threes. Yeah, it could be. Contest threes, sure. make them drive, put a hand in the face. Make it hard for them, and I, I like our chances. But, yeah, they're they're skidding, so I don't yeah. know. I'm keeping my eye on Wednesday. What do you got for us? So their best Ken Palm component, they are 54th in the nation in defending the three, which adversely, New Mexico State was horrible at defending the three. Seattle U is really good at defending the three, and that could fare very poorly for GCU in this game. Their worst component, however, is they are 327th in the nation in steal percentage defensively. So they're not they're not like Stephen F. Austin. They're not like Sam Houston State or Tarleton. These guys don't get a lot of steals on defense. And then I have a little bit more to say about Cameron Tyson. It's actually interesting. He's averaging 19 points a game, which is insane. But he's only shooting 38.3 from the field and 33.9 from three, which are pretty average shooting percentages. The reason for his high points, though, is he's he's averaging uh, 15.7 field goal attempts per game, which is quite a bit. Mm. And then he is also averaging 4.5 rebounds a game. So he's kind of my key player to look at. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I just don't know that I have any faith for the Lopes on the road. It's it's yeah. a sad, it's a sad, sad reality when I can't trust GCU against a team that they have the most wins against over a division one opponent. Mm-hmm. But I just I'm I'm not confident. I really am not. And even if we beat New Mexico State on Wednesday, I still don't feel confident about us heading to Seattle on a uh, and playing on a Saturday to win that game. Yeah, you might be right. Hey, I want to, I know we talked about him earlier. I want to go back and we don't really ever do this normally look in depth at a player's stats, but I do want to go back and take a look at Riley Grigsby. So here's the deal with Riley Grigsby. If you recall a couple of weeks ago, Ray Harrison had the 38 point game, which was massive. And we, he didn't win player of the week. Riley Grigsby won player of the week. And we were kind of up in arms. Like the dude scored 38 and he averaged 28 across the two games. And he won the biggest game in the conference, which is in Sam Houston. How on earth is he not player of the week? Grigsby was given player of the week for his 33 point performance um, at home against Southern Utah in a blowout. His other game that week was a 13 point game against, uh, against Tarleton, which like, okay. After that, he has been just horrific, like just really bad. Really? So, so player of the week, huge game against Southern Utah, 33 points. Since then, he scored three points in the Sam Houston State game, 0 for 5 from 3. He scored eight points against Stephen F. Austin, 4 for 11 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. 
He had 14 against Abilene Christian, but on a pretty inefficient game. Uh, three for eight from the field, two for seven from three, and then 17 for New Mexico State, but three for 12 from three. So, like, he's he's not been – he's been very inefficient since that player of the week. And I, I'm wondering to what extent that's correlated with Seattle U's success. I think it's it's pretty direct. They struggle, he struggles, he struggles, they struggle. It's but it's still interesting to me considering they got Cameron Tyson who's averaging 19 a game. They actually so here's the thing. New Mexico State, you look at their stats or whatever, they spread the scoring crazy. So they'll have they'll have like three guys yeah. averaging over 10. And then the rest of them will be like nine, eight, you know, seven and a half, seven. So their 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 scoring is really dispersed. Whereas Seattle U is not like that in any way, shape, or form. You know, you have you have Cameron Tyson who's averaging 19 a game. You got Grigsby, who has been solid on the season overall. But aside from those two, they don't have any volume scorers. And so if yeah. one I mean, of those you can two make the guys that Alex Schumacher is, but yeah. What what is he averaging? I don't know. He scored at least 10 points in almost like in 10 of their last 11 games. He's been a double digit scorer. You know, one of those guys goes, goes down and, or sorry, not goes down, but doesn't perform. And all of a sudden your mm-hmm. team suffers for it. It's actually interesting. GCU had over 50 points come from their backcourt. And yeah. you have Chance McMillan and Ray, Ray Harrison literally combining for what did they have? So they had 24 and 28, was it? 52 points between those two? Mm-hmm. Insane. So GCU could be a very similar similar thing to Seattle U where one guy isn't performing that night and then all of a sudden it really brings the team down. And is that yeah. guy going to be Rayshon Harrison? It's got to be. Yeah. So if Rayshon Harrison has a bad game, the Lopes are in trouble. But the nice thing about Rayshon Harrison is he's getting to the free throw line, and that's why he's yeah scoring a lot. Rayshon Harrison will never have a, a bad game from a points perspective, even though he maybe he may have a really inefficient game. This is a guy who gets to the line 12 to 15 times a game, right? Rayshon Harrison is always going to get you 15 with that many free throws, right? Yeah. If he's yeah. two for nine from the field but takes 15 free throws, he's he's still going to get you 15 points, right? So that's yeah. that's the idea there. Um with with Seattle U, yeah, like you said, I mean, they really have like Tyson and Grigsby are the are the guys. Shoemaker's been really good. Uh, he's been really efficient, but he's not a volume scorer. So, like we said, he's he's a double digit scorer pretty regularly, but that's also coming on. He has not had a single game this season. He had one, and it was the very first game of the season against UC San Diego. And since then, he has not had a single game where he's taken ten shots. Which is crazy because he's yeah. a double-digit scorer every game without ever taking 10 shots, right? So, yeah. like, 14 points on 3-for-8 shooting, 16 points on 4-for-6 shooting, 12 points on 4-for-6 shooting. That's his last three games. Quality, and lost- not quantity. Yeah, and, like, that's fine, right? He's he's Alex Shoemaker's a really good role player, right? He's, he's not the guy, but he's really efficient, and you need those guys. But... Cameron Tyson and Grigsby, right? If they're cold, the team's not going to win. And that's what we've seen, right? Shoemaker has been really efficient in the last four games they've lost, but it hasn't been enough with Tyson and Grigsby going cold. Cameron Tyson also is top 50 in the country in percentage of shots taken. He's taken about 31% of Seattle's shots, and that's 45th in the country. A massive volume. Yeah, big time volume shooter. 
And then Grigsby obviously looked really good. One player of the week uh, and then completely fell off a cliff. So I guess those are the guys to keep an eye on, right? We can't let Tyson and Grigsby get hot. And if they're not hot, I don't think the rest of the team is good enough to beat us. That's that's kind of where I am with, with Seattle. Where are you at with a Lopes losing by two line? I just, I really have a hard time. I really have a hard time with the Lopes on the road. So it, it, I, I'm hesitant because of that. I'm hesitant to pick the Lopes to win. Although I do think the Lopes will win. And I think the Lopes are kind of lined up in a way that they, they actually, I think they match up well with Seattle. And then adding on that, that Seattle's kind of on a skid and got blown out in their last home game. I do like GCU to just win the game outright as, as two point dogs. So they'll probably be like even even money for the money line. I like GCU outright. I like GCU plus two and outright to win the game. All right. Well, I would say that concludes our preview for the week. Let's move on into around the whack. And I'll start off with the Kimball on Monday, February 6th in a makeup game. UT Arlington was unable to defend their Kimball title at home and lost to Tarleton 69-64. Now on Thursday, February 9th, the Texans, yes, they are the Texans, will have a chance to defend its title in the hostile environment of Southern Utah. Zach, will they retain the Kimball? No, they won't. They won't. Southern Utah is going to take it from them. Um, right. But that's and Southern Utah could very well take it and lose it on Saturday. Would this be and, Southern Utah's third time with the Kimball this year, or just second? Because they started no. with it. No, I think I mean, if you're including, they started with it. I think they added another time, so okay. this would be their third time getting it. But they they do have on Saturday at Utah Valley, so it's very likely that they take it and immediately lose it on Saturday. Yeah, uh, that's actually what I what I'm predicting will happen. But yeah, good data there to track. Last week in the WAC was such like such a catastrophe. It was so unpredictable and crazy. I think this week is a little more on the boring side, which is fine. Looking at Wednesday, no games here really move the needle for me. Obviously the, the GCU New Mexico state game is the game we're watching. That's a big game, but Utah Valley's hosting Cal Baptist Seattle U's hosting Utah tech. I guess I'm interested in the Seattle U Utah tech game just to see like how bad is Seattle skid really, right? Like if Seattle U loses, wins that game, I don't think it, like, I think it's like, yeah, they should have. If they lose, I think it it's like, oh, maybe this is worse than we thought as far as like their skid. Thursday, Southern Utah's hosting Tarleton that, that you know, like we said, that's the Kimball game, but I, I don't think that'll be a very good game. Tarleton's kind of horrific on the road. <clears throat> I guess they just won today, but that was at UT Arlington. This is Southern Utah. There is a big game on Thursday, not necessarily suggesting that it will be a good game but it is an important game and that's ut arlington at utrgv so let's looking at conference records and what we have remember that it's not the wimmers but conference standings that determines who makes it into whack vegas and right now what you have is basically four teams fighting for three spots so you have utah tech utrgv and ut arlington all with three wins and new mexico state with two wins so one of UTRGV and Arlington is going to pick up a fourth win, which on Thursday, which is really big. And and New Mexico State, like we said, even though we might say, well, maybe they're not back per se, they do have a really weak schedule. And it's hard to imagine that they don't win at least two or three of those games. So I think you're not sitting pretty with three wins. Three wins is not safe. You need four, probably five to be safe. But four, you're probably okay. 
So if I'm UT Arlington and Tar uh, UT Arlington and UTRGV, this is a big game. But UTRGV, I think, is better and they're at home, so I, I expect them to win. As for Saturday, the only game here I think that's any good is Sam Houston at Abilene, just because Sam Houston's such a question mark and Abilene kind of just beat the brakes off Seattle. So that might be a good one. Southern Utah's playing at Utah Valley. Uh, that's a big game just because those are top whack teams, but I think Utah Valley will handle business. Grand Canyon at Seattle might be actually the, the best basketball game of the slate for Saturday. But yeah, I don't know that I'm particularly like, I don't know that any of these games really intrigue me. I think both of the Lopes games are good. I think I'll be keeping an eye on Arlington and Tarleton on Thursday. And then I'll also be keeping an eye on Southern Utah, Utah Valley, just because I think it's a good game. But yeah, that's what we have. Uh, that's this week in, in Waction. But yeah, we, we keep an eye on the Aggies. Um, you you want to know what's crazy? What? This Seattle game is our last Saturday Saturday game of the regular season. Like typically the, the conference schedule is a Thursday, Saturday, and sometimes you'll throw in that Wednesday or that Friday here or there. But after yeah. this this week, every single game for the last three weeks is Wednesday, Friday, Wednesday, Friday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh, I don't I think that's ever been the that. case in the WAC. Yeah. I don't like the idea of playing on Wednesdays. Yeah, I'm with you there. How about some mid-major top 25? So, mid-major top 25. Last week, we had we had been kind of surprised with, I think, uh, obviously, well, Seattle U was kind of high. They've, they've fallen off a cliff, like we said. So, looking at the mid-major top 25, the highest-ranked WAC team right now is Utah Valley. They're sitting at 17th. Probably should be. Yep. I think that's fine. There is a big argument on Twitter. Um, one of the mid-major madness guys, like one of the guys who posts, like who runs that account, posted on his personal account his mid-major top twenty-five, and he did not have a single whack team on there. And people were like losing their minds of like, how do you not have any whack teams on there? And basically, what he said is like, the whack's a really good conference, and the whack is cannibalizing each other, and. So I don't, I think that certainly there are whack teams better than teams on this list, but not according to resume because they all just keep beating each other. And I think that's kind of right, right? It's kind of like what I always say about the Pac-12 in football, right? It's like the Pac-12 is like competitive enough that like no team is really dominant, but every team is good enough that like no one's going to go through undefeated. And like that happens every single year in the Pac-12 in football. And I think it's like the exact same way in the whack this year. But I was still interested to see that he had no whack teams. As far as the official mid-major top 25, Utah Valley's at 17. Southern Utah is at 19, which is which is kind of a nice jump for them. And Sam Houston is sitting at 22. Those are our only whack schools in the mid-major top 25 this week. How how high was GCU on re- receiving votes? We had six. We were way down there. <laughs> we were CLU, receiving votes last year. Or last CLU week, right? received a lot more votes than we did. Okay, well, at the end of this week, hopefully we'll be close to the top of receiving votes. <laughs> I hope you're right. Want to look at some bracketology? Yeah, let's hit it. Joe Lenardi, the ESPN guy, currently yeah. has Utah Valley as the WAC team, which I think is consistent right. with mid-major top 25 and Wimmers, and he has them on the 13 line, okay. which, which I think is fine. Utah Valley is almost an entire point ahead now of Sam Houston and the Wimmers for that one spot. 
the 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 gap is getting wider and wider up top. They're over two points ahead of Southern Utah at three. And I think Southern Utah is pretty safely going to maintain that third spot. So it's looking like Utah Valley's the best team. Sam Houston just can't get out of their own way, man. Mm-hmm. Another really bad loss last week after where we said, like, well, maybe they've turned the corner. Seven and four now in conference play. Things so are Zach, for them. Yeah. Is Sam Houston dead? No. <laughs> no. They're literally less than a point out of the one seed. They're not when, dead. They're perfectly fine. When will you finally accept that they're dead? They're not. Like, what will it take? I don't know. They lost at home to the Antelopes of Grand Canyon University. Yeah, they also lost at UT Arlington this week. Dead. They're the highest ranked WAC team on Ken Palm. Dead. They have the best resume of any WAC team. Dead. And they have a pretty, a really easy schedule the rest of the way where they're not projected to lose any games. Barely hanging on. I'm not, I'm not ready to pull the plug on Sam Houston yet. So you're telling me at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the middle of March, you're going to take Sam Houston over Utah Valley. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to tell you. I think this team is built for, I think this team is built for a tournament. They're a gritty team. I think that's their style. I think I think they're ready. But that so yeah, I think I think they're built different. I think they're the team. But we'll see. I mean, obviously, I think Utah Valley can do it. I think Southern Utah can do it. I think a lot of teams can do it. Like we'll just have to see. As for uh, kind of, there's only two bracketologies generally that I care about, and that's Lenardi and Cats, which is ESPN, and Andy Cats, which is NCAA. Here's the thing: I'm actually less and less every time I look at this. I become less and less interested in what Andy Katz has to say because I genuinely feel like he's two weeks behind on whatever's happening in the WAC, which is true still. He has Seattle U as the WAC representative, and he has them on the 13 line, even after they've lost four games in a row. When was he, he updating? Or when Abilene was his bracket bracketology last updated? Uh, oh, this is, wait, this is a long time ago. Hold on. So it's just an old bracket. Yeah, he maybe just hasn't updated it in a long time. So yeah, then maybe maybe there's just nothing to say there. Uh, that's kind of surprising because I, I feel like he updates pretty regularly. But that's the bracketology. I think Utah Valley at a 13 is is fine. So so looking at seeding for the different options, do you do you think Utah Valley at a 13 is correct? Yeah, I, I think so. I was looking back at old tournaments and uh because you know that I went to the Grizz game on Saturday mm-hmm. and I was looking back at like old Grizz seeds and one year. This was the last time that they won a tournament game. I believe it was 06. They beat Nevada as a 12 seed. I could not believe that a Big Sky team was a 12 seed. That That's like close to at-large conversation. Mm-hmm. And they had seven losses that year. Yeah, I mean, like looking at the conferences this year, right? You have how many conferences are getting more than one bid? That's a good question that I do not have Eight. the answer to. So the the Power Five schools plus the Big East plus the Mountain West nine, the five Power Five schools plus the Big East that's six Mountain West American West Coast Conference. So if we're saying nine, there's nine conferences that are multi bid leagues, right? The conferences at large teams. Then basically what you're saying is the twelve seeds are the winners of the four best conferences after that like uh, on average, right? And that's Conference USA, Atlantic 10, us, 
and then the Ivy League. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see 13-seeded Utah Valley. Uh, I would also not be too surprised to see 13-seeded Sam Houston. If Sam Houston, seriously, they're ranked 78th on Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. If Sam Houston runs the table and, and gets a little bit lucky with uh, some upsets in other conferences, I could still see them on the 12 line. Other than that, I think we're looking at a I think we're looking at a 14 from a, several teams. I think Seattle's a 14. I think Southern Utah's a 14. I think GCU's a 14. I think SFA's a 14. Anyone lower than that, we're looking at 15, 16. So I'm pretty consistent there. But yeah. that's those are my thoughts. And, and you know, obviously we'll we'll keep updating it as we look through. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting to see how it goes the rest of the way. Absolutely. You have anything else black related for us? No, we need to well, win on Wednesday. Yeah, we do. Keep on the lookout with a, a GC win. You could be getting a special episode from us. So until then, or until I guess next week, depending on what happens, lopes up. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the blaster for three. Good! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the clock. Push back on Harrison quickly to the block and box baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barry, you bounced out of your seat on that. I oh, did with a big right hand. Give the Lopes a three-point advantage. Dude. Yo. What? What are you about to tell me? I'll let you guess. We didn't record any of that. That is correct. Bro. Oh, my gosh. The whole thing? The whole thing. Connor. Oh, my God. It's actually incredible that this is the first time that's happened. (laughs) Well, at least we, you know what? Here's the, the, I'm looking at the bright side. At least no one will know that I didn't know that Blackshear tours. <laughs> no, that's going to be the outtake. At the well, end I dodged of the that episode. bullet. <laughs> no, <laughs> just this, this right here, just throw it on. Hey guys, we missed an hour. We, we recorded an hour that you're not hearing. Throw this right here in after the cut. Dude, guys, I actually, we missed an hour. We recorded seriously. You can pull your kneecaps off. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> what what we just experienced of recording for an hour and realized it wasn't recording. That's how watching a GCU basketball game feels. Oh my um, gosh! We talked about high school basketball. Um, I hate Phoenix Country Day. Um, Seattle U's overrated. Uh, Twelve seeded Sam Houston. If they went out, uh, I, I don't know. That's it. That's like that's like that's like basically it. I could have just said that. We didn't need to record for an hour. <laughs> We actually how how um dude we made it 16 episodes we made it 16 episodes without doing that that's crazy yeah so at least you gotta give me that come on no i'm i'm impressed that that hasn't (laughs) happened more that's so because i clicked i clicked end all or whatever no i there was like this little box that came up and i clicked x and then i was like usually this big window comes up just like converting video and i was like that didn't happen as soon as I as soon as I opened the the video, yeah, I saw like you're just doing this. I was like, oh, this this didn't record that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we gotta hurry up. I'm I'm so sleepy, bro. <laughs> me, me too, and I haven't eaten, so 
at oh all today. God. I'm starving. All, all right. righty. Let's get this show on the road.